Welcome back to the Graveyard Shift. Well, that was, that was, I know that. That was very... Oh, you've never done it like that before. Go on, sorry. That's <laughs> not again, then. <laughs> Welcome back to the Graveyard Shift. I'm James Pugh. I'm Dave Burrows. Today, we're joined by a man who has shared a boxing ring with Anthony Joshua and who runs a boxing academy in Shropshire, which has had a huge impact on so many young people in the county. So we're not going to do anything to upset him. We're delighted to be joined by Joe Lockley, director of the Bright Star Boxing Academy in Chiffnall. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, James and Dave. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Joe, in 2019, you were chosen as Joshua's opponent in an advert for betting giant William Hill. Tell us how that came about and what was the experience like? Yeah, that, that was crazy, actually, because um, Anthony Joshua has been my hero for a long time, you know, since he, yeah. he massively changed his life around through boxing. He's someone that I really kind of look up to and so many of the kids did in the in the club. Um, and it was actually the other director of Bright Star, Kat, she signed me up for this this advert and I had no idea what it was, what was happening. Oh, so, was it, she, so was it advertised or how did, how did he no, know? She, I think it was just through the boxing world. They were looking for someone who was um, kind of a, a tall stature, who's a heavyweight boxer and who could do a bit of acting. I didn't know I could do any acting at all. <laughs> so um, she signed me up to it and she didn't tell me that she signed up to it. So I got this phone call and I was like, we want you to audition one of three people to um, to, to go and advert with Anthony Joshua. Oh, and I, I thought it was one of my mates taking the mix. Yeah, so I, I actually it, yeah. hung up on him. Oh, it really? Like, yeah, it was only the next day. <laughs> so you day. nearly missed out on this chance. I nearly <laughs> did. I, it was the next day. I was um, I was actually chatting to her about it and I made a joke about it. And she went, no, 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 ring him back quickly. I've, I, I got this for you. I've sorted all this out. And I was like, no way. So I rung him up and luckily they hadn't given the space. And it was three of us. Oh, wow. Uh, we went down to London, went to his LinkedIn Boxing Club um, and just did some training, really, really informal in the ring. And they said, and, and the, the issue is the one person that was with us, he was a professional boxer, very, very good reputation, you know, fought against Dylan White. Oh, wow. He was a very, very good boxer. And the other person was like from the acting world. So he he was brilliant when he could pretend to be knocked out. Yeah. I actually thought he was knocked out. He was incredible. <laughs> but then... I don't know what, what happened and why they chose me, but apparently I was um, had some of the boxing skills and some of the acting skills, so I could re really best kind of mix it up person, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so they, they called me the next day and got me involved. And, you know, the experience, actually just sharing a ring, being with him I was bet. brilliant. We did it, we did a bit of sparring, he took on the pads. We, got, we kind of helped him to get did ready. Did you go easy on fight. him? I had to, didn't yeah. I? I had yeah, to, yeah, yeah, professional yeah. athlete, Don't want to make him look foolish. He's one where, where he's, if he throws a jab and he's tapping it, that hits you at 100 miles an hour, you don't realise it. You don't realise how... <laughs> How good he is, um, but you know, such a such a nice, kind, genuine person. He was mm. like, "Do you want to come out with me tonight? Let's go into this club. Let's oh, do a wow. bit of training." Yeah, and he's asked me where I was staying. He was like, "So I'm staying on my sofa in London." He was like, "No, no, come and stay with me. Come on." So, oh, so wow, yeah, brilliant. I was with him for the, for the five days we were filming. He was um, yeah, he's brilliant. They always say, "Don't meet your idols, don't they?" In case yeah, they yeah. let you down. But, but not, I'm not so so glad with AJ. Yeah, I'm so glad I met him. Do you stay in touch now or still? Yeah, really, we're desperate to get him down. James, to you the just club. called him AJ. That's how, that's how close they are now. It's like, oh, yeah, AJ, my mate. Yeah. We're, we're desperate to get him down to the club because he does a lot of his training in kind of Sheffield and he, he lives in Watford. So it's kind of like in, in between his Shropshire. So I'm desperate to get him down to the club. Well, en route, you could always, you know, get yeah, pop, pop in here. Pop in here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a chat with him. Yeah. We'll have any talk to him, won't we? <laughs> that's it, get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah he, honestly, he's, um, he's just so real. He's just himself. He doesn't try to be everyone else. And that's what I really, really like about him. Yeah. So do you know, I mean, as you say, a lot of the kids already look up to him anyway, but is, is he some, someone you sort of hold up as a, as a shining light, if you like, of, of what you're all about? Um, I guess he's one of them. What we try and do is kind of rather than saying to a lot of the young people and myself, just saying, these are the people you've got to look down and aspire to be. We've got a lot of exercises we do with young people and they actually select their own role models. Mm. And, you know, a, a big role model that comes out a lot of the time is, is Tyson Fury, which, yeah, you know, cool. Joshua's rival, I'm sure, yeah. like that. But because of the story he's been through and it's never about normally what they're achieving, it's about how they've been able to make 
make a success regardless of the past that they've had. That's interesting. That their, their personal story is as important as their, their achievements almost. I think that's the main reason. I think a lot of the young people we work with have been in really dark places mm -hmm. and it's people, you know, like Tyson Fury, like Anthony Joshua, who've been there before. They can say, do you know what? Regardless of what they've been through, they can still achieve these amazing things. I can still do that. And it gives hope to a lot of people. And yeah. that's what young people need. Yeah. Fab. Well, now you sort of sort of started talking about it. Tell us about the, you know, the academy and sort of how it was set up, you know, and what it, you know, sets out to achieve. Yeah, do you know what? The um how it was set up, I didn't expect it to achieve what it is achieving now, to yeah. be completely honest. I was literally I was in in my local gym one of the days and a parent came up to me um and said, uh, can you help help my son? You know, he's being passed from different negative services, the police, and it was myself and my friend Stu. And I said, I don't know how we can help, but we can hold the pads for him. We do a bit of boxing. And they're like, yeah, that'd be brilliant. So him and a few of his mates came around. We took him on the pads and it was like every Tuesday, six o'clock, we'd be there. Um, and all of a sudden we started getting calls from his parents, from his school, being like, he's massively changed his life. So his mates have all making these big changes. What have you done? How have you done it? I was like, I don't know. I've just held the pads. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, just, chat, were, you, were you sort of talking to him? While, you know, were you just almost treating him as he maybe he hadn't been treated before and just speaking to him on his level, maybe? Yeah, was... I, I think the thing was, and I keep looking back and reflecting this, I'm still not sure what the magic was at that point because I didn't know all these cognitive behaviour techniques yeah, or NLP, yeah. anything like that. And I think it was just because he had purpose in that life there and he had a sense of belonging. He mm. felt like he was part of it. And them needs weren't met. So why he was hanging around with some of the wrong crowd, mm. why these different things, that was because he wanted to feel that sense of belonging. Um, and so from that, kind of like there was kind of six of them that were just coming along hitting the pads we said we need to do this more we need to expand this a lot more um, and we spoke to them we said should we start up our own boxing club and they were like yeah this sounds brilliant we'll all get matching tops we'll feel really part of something and then I was like yeah and, I was, and we said to him what should we call it and I'll never forget when the one young person he said um, I want to call it Bright Star I said why would we call it Bright Star that's not the name of a boxing club and he went because you can only see a bright star on a dark night and that's why we're here and I was like no way, if you wow. can think of this, what else can yeah. you think of? What, what <laughs> yeah. are the values? And so we advertised it and we advertised Bright Star Boxing and we had kind of 40, 50 people come along to the first few sessions, but there was a real issue there because the people that came to the sessions, they weren't the right people. We wanted to use the sport as a way to help people. Um, and I'll be honest, when I was growing up in the sport, I saw so many people, they came along to a boxing club and the coach would treat it a bit like a military session. They'd be shouting. And then if you weren't naturally quite a good boxer, They'd come in for one session, they'd go and they'd just leave them to it. And I didn't want it to be in that. I wanted it to be all inclusive and I wanted it to be really a nurturing club. But when we advertised it, it was just boxers that came. Everyone that came was a lad. Everyone that came was already sporty. Um, and there was no one kind of there that we thought boxing can have a real impact here. So I said to, to Stuart at the time, I said, I don't know if this is something I want to do. And we can't, this isn't why we did it and set yeah. up. Um, and that's when we started to look, how can we find these people? They're not going to come to a boxing club. How yeah. can we find it? And that's when we started developing referral pathways. We mm. do different mental health support groups. Things like that would start to take off to support people. And that was where I really fell in love with it. And that was all kind of voluntary on the side of my role. I, we were really enjoying it. And we started to build up a team around it. And it was all with the core values of being able to support young people mm. to make life changes. And that's where it really grew from. The, the, learning, sorry, sorry. Jim, uh, the learning curve for you must have been massively steep as well because uh, say you're suddenly talking about referral pathways and all that sort of thing that that wouldn't have been even on your or your radar issue yeah that's i think i had to learn a lot in a short space of time <laughs> and so did all of us to be fair but i think we we're so fortunate that everyone 
loved the work we were doing and it was naturally meeting a lot of needs for young people that they didn't realize they had um that so many amazing people came on board and you know when um Kat, who's the other director now, she came on board. She understood all business, accounting, finance. I had no idea with all that stuff. I was like, what are you even doing? What's a cash flow? And then we were working out all this and everything to, to be able to set up a lot stronger. We developed a committee, we like strong, a strong group of people and we started meeting with the right people. Um, and we were just really passionate. And I think we were passionately curious as well. We were like, how is this affecting? What differences it had and what else is needed? And mm. I think very much guided by the young people and what they wanted to do. I think that's where we could shape it into what it is now really, because they were saying, these are the needs. And we had a blank canvas. It wasn't like we came from a world of, it's gotta be this way, it's gotta be this way. We could say, let's create that, let's support other people, let's work with you to create that that need and meet that. Obviously this sort of career pathway you've ended up going down, came out in the blue. What, you know, what were you looking to do um, for all this? Yeah, I was I was working for a, an organisation called Energize. They're the County Sports Partnership mm-hmm. for, for Shropshire, and they're they're brilliant, and they actually really supported me with this. So, um, you know, I, I understood the charity world a lot there, um, and there was they helped get the funding in place so I could take on this as a career. Um, I guess before I never really knew what I wanted to do. Mm. I knew I wanted to help people. I didn't know how I was trying to use different things as platforms to be able to do that. I think I wanted to be that person that could uh, help someone. My coach made a massive difference in my life. So I wanted to be that person for others. And there were so many other people that had the same thing they wanted to do. So we could all work together collaboratively and really make, make a change there. And I think there was such a need for it and there is still such a need for it. And that, you know, during right at the start of COVID, mm. that was when I made that transition. So it was very reliant on schools being able to pay for sessions, everything like that. The first day I started was the same day they said, all schools are gonna be closed now. So I was like, oh no, what's happened? I've, yeah. I've done the wrong thing. But you know, we used to use them, them three months to make sure everything was structured, everything was, all the foundations were in there. Um, so in a way that yeah. kind of gave you a breathing space that maybe you wouldn't have had, uh, had, had COVID not, Coming on, not I'm saying COVID's a good thing, obviously. <laughs> no, not. no, you are you are completely right. I think that it, I started to kind of because of all the things I was learning, working with, and, and my past as well. I was kind of using different ways of li- looking at things, and I think, um, yeah, COVID was a really, really negative situation. But there are still positives that people can look at to come from it. So a lot of people, like for example, I was very much a million miles an hour. I could stop, pause, reflect, yeah. see what's happening and and go on to it. And I think that's what a lot of the young people I've been working with have been able to do. They've been able to really develop independence, stop kind of creating this character that's like by other people and work out who they really are through it. Um, yeah, a very horrible time. But again, I think there's not, um, every day isn't great, but there is great in every day and we can still look for the positives that are happening. And so do you think the pandemic um has meant, you know, sort of services you offer have become even more important to have, you know, more young people, more vulnerable people come to you as a result of perhaps the pandemic and those looking for support? I think it's really shone a light on the importance to work with young people that are struggling to manage their mental health and, and everyone who's struggling to manage their mental health. And I think there's so much more than can, can be done. And you can see a lot of strategies, changes, things like that happening from the government as a result of that now. People you think really the stigma is dropping this. away a bit? Um, or is it, is it is this just the stigma still there, do you think, around mental health? Do you know what? I've, I've noticed from the people working with, they're a lot more open about things going on. Obviously, so many more people are struggling as a mm. result. That's a real negative, but so many more people are open. I think the stigma is, I think there's still um, going to be a stigma because it's going to take a lot of time to change that. Um, but I think if we can encourage people like, you know, some of the famous athletes like Tyson Fury, mm. for example, 
if he starts talking about it, all of a sudden, all the boxers think, do you know what, that's actually okay to talk yeah. about. And boxing's a sport where previously people have seen it as like, I can't show any weakness. And now they're seeing it as, yeah, do you know what? I can talk to my coach, I can talk to people around me and they understand me. Mm. And is it sort of just young people or are you having older people coming to you as well? Yeah, yeah so we do run different programs. Yeah. Most of our targets are young people. We find that young people have been through adverse childhood experiences, you know, if we can work with them at an early intervention stage before it gets to the stage of, you know, them struggling to manage their mental health, them even hanging around with the wrong people, um, them being really, really vulnerable. If we can work with them before it gets to that stage, we can help prevent that. Yeah. And I think prevention is so much better than, than cure. We do have like, we do have mental health support groups for adults. We do have um, needs programs. We do have a lot of different support programs available, but um, we try and get most of the referrals through at the earliest possible stage. Um, so most of the referrals normally come in at kind of probably start a secondary school. What's your, what, what is your own route into boxing? Because you, you've been boxing since, practically since you could stand up. Uh, so how, how did you... Since age of four, am I right? Yeah, since yeah. age of four, actually, I was, I was, was forced into him boxing a little that. bit. <laughs> I, I was forced into boxing a little bit, actually, by my dad. Oh, right. My dad was, um, was very, he was a boxer. He was very much into his boxing, you know. As soon as I could put a pair of gloves on, he was like, right, come on, we're taking out <laughs> the boxing gym. See, I do, I've done that with my boy. I was, I, I, I've been a runner for ever, uh, which is why I'm built like I am and not like you are. Um, <laughs> and I've done the same. I've been like, right, right, come on, we're, going, we're off to do part run now, whether you want to or not. That's the thing, isn't it? And, and I think that was the issue for me because I was kind of forced into it there. I was straight away like, this is something I'm, I have to do, not that I want to do. So I didn't, at the start, I didn't really have a, a great response box. I, I didn't really think it was a sport for me. And the second I kind of turned 12 or 13, my dad was like, look, it's your choice now. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. And I was like, yeah, no worries. I'm not going again then. And, yeah. and I literally, a few years went by and I was, and I, I didn't realize how much I needed boxing, how much I needed sport, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I think for me, it was about feeling that sense of belonging, being able to express yeah. myself in that positive way. Um, and, you know, as a result, I, used, I kind of got into the wrong crowd, doing the wrong thing. And it was only when um, I was actually involved in coaching a, a local football team. And the way that happened was, um, I remember I was just hanging around with my mates and one of the coaches came up to me and said, we're running an under nine football team. Do you want to come and get involved? I said, no, there's no way I don't want to get involved in that. I'd rather just be hanging around with these guys, everything like that. And I remember I was walking, he goes, well, we've got a session on Friday at six o'clock. If you fancy it, come down. And I was walking past, I completely forgot about it. I saw the session happening. I was like, I pop my head in and see what was going on. And as soon as I walked in, this coach gave me a jacket and it had my name on it. And it's something so small as that. And when I put this jacket on, I felt like I really belonged mm. somewhere. And I felt like I, was, I had some sort of control, some purpose, and it was all these needs that I needed to be met. Um, and I remember I was coaching it, but it wasn't enough to kind of stop me from or, or really focus and change my life. It was when a young person came up to me and he said, um, and it was an eight-year-old said, we're writing about our role models at school. Can I ask you some questions? I want to write about you. That point oh, wow. I was like, <laughs> yeah, at that point I was like, wow, I need, I need to really switch up. I need to be, be a role model yeah. for this young person. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything really positive that was going on that I could, I could tell them about. Um, and that was where I needed boxing a lot more. Um, and that's where I got back into it. And it was only at that sort of age uh, that I really started taking it a lot more seriously, competing, and that I really let boxing have the impact it could have on my life. Mm -hmm. And it was that moment there that I was like, this this is an amazing thing that can help so, so many more people, but I had no vehicle tool to be able to do that. So I was just kind of, you know, just focusing on competition there. Yeah. Did you ever think that you might turn professional or was that never a sort of an option for you? 
No, for me, it was all around, um, it was all around meeting the needs. That's yeah. what it was. And I think, you know, I could do, I could meet the needs uh, through that way, through just through amateur boxing. And um, yeah, I thought when I went to professional, it was more about looking at it as a business. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I just want to focus on the actual competing side of things. And it was actually when I was competing, that's when the kind of person asked me to coach them. And that's how that all all came about really. So it's a, it's a good job it went down that route and it was kind of a blessing there. And it was only like kind of, when the pandemic was starting, that was when I was like, really, I could go, I could go, but let's just focus on Brightside now. We've started this, let's see how far we can take it. And yeah, I'm glad everything's worked out the way it has. Just just, sorry, just in terms of boxing, just this has just popped into my head. So uh, there's a lot of focus at the moment on sort of head injuries in sport, particularly rugby football. Um, but obviously boxing is is one that you kind of tend to associate with 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 head injuries any concerns about sort of the direction boxing might take or or that the, you know they might start bringing in some legislation which means boxing is less appealing and might therefore have a, a, a knock-on effect on what you, you guys are doing yeah rather we've, we've been thinking about this and discussing this a lot because i think that you know for until they get to the age of of, of kind of 9 10 11 they shouldn't be doing any kind of sparring anyway and shouldn't be doing any contact work like that um but still that age of secondary school taking blows to the head and everything you know that regardless of the thickness in the glove and the head guards there's still going to be risks um and i guess the way i've looked at it is a lot of the young people we're working with there'd be a lot more risk with them not taking part in mm. boxing yeah uh, the young people they're working with have, who've been through trauma been through adverse childhood experiences if they didn't box, that would be an issue. And I, I completely agree, you know, people will say, take out the contact. That's actually what is appealing to a lot of people. That's why we can start to work with some of these these people into it. And boxing for me and for so many other people has taught people not to react on emotion. Because when you react on emotion, it's you that gets hurt. And it's the same in boxing. It's all around defending yourself. People shouldn't be doing any contact work unless they are completely able to defend themselves so yeah there's always going to be a risk with any sport with anything it's about making it as safe as possible but not ruining a thriving environment well and i think that's a lot of people who sort of are quick to jump on boxing and, and criticize it probably don't appreciate the discipline side of it as you say you know, a, 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 much of it is about knowing when to hold back as as when to when to attack so yeah there's, there's still such a stigma around boxing and this is the issue we've got so many carers schools um even you know mental health support groups they wouldn't refer to us because they're saying oh no no this young person he's he can be violent sometimes i don't want him to learn how to punch mm. and then when they think of boxing they imagine like you know like a, a 90s mike tyson really angry aggressive yeah, person yeah, yeah. and they're far less angry when they walk out of the club and it's all about working out okay what are them what is the need underneath that behavior how can we meet that throughout the sport and yeah, it's it's about removing that stigma, and it's still a stigma around even, especially women. We're having a lot. Um, it's a lot more than usual, but it's still uh, a lot less women coming to it because they've got a stigma that they've got to be this angry, rough, tough person. And it's not like that at all. The most important thing within boxing is mindset, is mm. the way you're thinking about things, and it's where you and it's control. Yeah. Um, listen to something on the radio uh, this morning actually um, about boxing um, that why professional boxers only sort of do, you know, one or two fights a year. Um, is it just because it takes that long to prepare for fights? Because they're basically on the radio this morning, they were sort of discussing, you know, we want to see Tyson Fury fight, you know, four or five times a year. Is it just because of the preparation? Um, you know, it does take a lot to prepare, especially when it comes to things like making weight and things like that. But there's still, 
no reason that a lot of the professionals can't box more than that. There are, don't get me wrong, there's journeymen that will box every single week yeah. um, and do it like that. And that's that's far too much. But I think, you know, with, with the professional boxing, there are knockouts, things like that. It's a completely different sport to amateur boxing. Yeah, yeah. You do need to be a lot more careful. But when you're going through a training camp, it's very, very intense. So it's literally, you know, you'll put a lot of your life on hold for that eight, 10, 12 weeks, whatever it is. And it's about them having that time to be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to go enjoy this time, enjoy this life, and actually find myself a lot more before I get back into them camps there. So, yeah, yeah I do think um, I do think some boxers really leave it too long between fights, mm. um, and, and then that can have an adverse effect as well. But, yeah, there's there's no perfect amount. Every person's different, aren't they? Mm. And when you leave you... it too long, you have to do that big Rocky montage, don't you, where you're doing the thing with the ropes and yeah. up, and up, up the stairs. And... <laughs> well, like Ricky Atten, you'll blow up loads away. And you have yeah, to yeah. Down <laughs> again. yeah, yeah. And what's your sort of views on sort of, you know, Boxing on TV, you know, should it be free, you know, free for more people to see it, you know, or, you know, do you agree with it being, you know, paid for? Um, I, okay, think, I think there's a sense of campaign coming on here, Jim. <laughs> no, I think boxing can inspire so many different people. And a lot of the young people we work with, you know, they're from uh, families or areas that struggle to afford things like this. And it's really good to not see that they can't go to that. We were so fortunate that um, the Commonwealth Games team gave us a lot of tickets to the Commonwealth Games. So oh, fantastic. we took some of the, pe the young people off our programs to go and see it. And I remember the once there was like 21 young people in there in a box right at the front. And they've seen all the people boxing. That had such an impact on them. On the whole route home, they were like writing their goals down of all the mm. things they can do and everything. They were researching some of the box they found. And I just think if it was more accessible for everyone to be able to see, yeah. you'd have that impact on so many more people. So yeah, I do think it, a lot of the sport is becoming more of the business side of things now. And it's about how we can still use that to inspire people. Yeah. And you talked about girls in boxing as well. Um, have you got any sort of strategies to try and appeal to to young girls so it's not just boys coming on board yeah and it's i think it is removing a stigma that's the key thing there but we have got some so we spoke to some uh, local girls in some of the some of the schools we go to and we were like what are the things that would make you uh, want to get involved mm. in it and try it out um and they came up with things like um we want to be coached by a female we don't want any other lads in the group we want to be able to have uh lots of time for rest in there and, and be able to stop it i was like no problem at all. So we've designed female-only sessions as well Fantastic. to support that. And we've, we're so lucky that we've got female coaches as well, which is kind of quite quite a struggle in the sport sometimes. Mm. Um, and it's about creating that pathway for them to come through. And we've had, you know, they can come in at different times. They can they make sure there's no lads within the group. And yeah, they they from the people that said, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it or not, I'll give it a go. They're all still coming now. So it's that's obviously the the win there. The fact that they're all all still coming. I think it's just to create anything. It's about finding that person that will be coming and building it around them rather than having that build it and they come and approach because i find that never works yeah uh, you mentioned off air you're sort of looking to recruit um who are you looking for and how difficult is it to recruit yeah it, it, it is really difficult to to recruit because i guess for this role it's not about a boxing coach it's mm. not about um a therapist it's not about a teacher but it's someone that can possess all of them different values and what we found is that if we recruit people from the different sectors already, they already think uh, this is the way that uh, that we're working, yeah. this way it should be working. So it's got a mindset. and 100%. And what we want to do is create something new that can be just trained with the young person. So we just want to recruit people with the right values. It doesn't matter about the skill set. We can teach all of that. As long as they've got the right values and they want to support, I can teach them to become a boxer. I can teach them to become a teacher. I can teach them to be able to mentor young people. It is just finding the people that have got a real 
desire and passion to want to support and you know we can we can help them with the rest of it yeah and you guys are, 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 i mean you're obviously doing something right because you've had the uh the queen's award for voluntary service yeah. uh, which is i mean it's like the, the the oscars of the voluntary world isn't it um i know that oscars phrase gets used a lot and i wish i hadn't said it now um <laughs> but that was that was 2021 that you, that yeah, you got that um, i mean that's that's fantastic what was the process around that? When when did you get the phone? Wasn't another phone call when you went, ah, you're having me on. Put, <laughs> yeah. put the phone down again, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't the same as that. Luckily, um, I'll be honest with you, when it comes to things like applications or anything like that, I really I really struggle with that. I really struggle with kind of a lot of... Um, or selling yourself. Yeah, 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 selling myself. And, and, and we were so lucky with that, that um, it was a local, it was, it was part of the Lord Lieutenant with the High Sheriff kind of got together and they kind of came down to visit a session and see the work we're doing. Um, when they saw it, they're like, you guys need to go for this Queen's Award. I was like, how do we do that? I hope it's not a big, long application. I've been really <laughs> yeah. struggling with this. And then they said, no, let's come down. We'll do it. We'll help you and support mm -hmm. you with it. And they just really got a feel for the place. And I think as much as I, I can talk about Bright Star now, unless you come and see it and understand and hear the kids' kids' stories, then you can't really understand the impact it can have. And so they were able to do that and get that kind of down on, on paper. Yeah. And then they <clears throat> applied for it all. And then... um. Yeah, we had a big event about uh, 18 months ago now, and it was kind of bringing everyone together, all the different sectors, everyone, and understanding what we do. And it was a, a, a really amazing event to receive the Queen's Award because some of the young people we've been working with, they stood up on stage and told their story in front of 150 people. Wow. And for them, that is massive. They're yeah, like, Look, deal, this is what it? I've been through. This is what I needed. And as a result of that, a lot of the schools we're working with, a lot of the social workers, have changed and adapt their way when they're working with young people based on them actually expressing themselves and saying their needs. And, you know, that was a massive moment for me and everyone at Bright Star to see them young people go from the person that was really scared to talk in the gym to that person's talking and stage in front of everyone. It was amazing, yeah. yeah. And did, did you do you find also having the award, because you were saying about, you know, some, some organisation won't refer to you because uh, it's boxing and, it, and, and they've got the negative connotation. Does having the Queen's Award make them sort of go, hold on a second, maybe, maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe maybe they are doing something that I should be looking more closely at. I think so. I think one, one brilliant thing is a young person came to me the other day and said, I really like my coach here. And I said, why is it you like him? What does he do? What, what's happening there? And I was expecting a big long answer about everything there. And all he said was, uh, he makes me feel important. And then he walked off and I thought, that that's amazing. That's, yeah. that's brilliant. And I guess... I mean, you that's know, all that needs to be said, really, yeah, isn't it? That bring, bringing that back to your question, I think with the Queen's Ward, we didn't realise kind of how much this impact was spread, what other people were thinking. Like we just kind of want to do our thing for the young people yeah. and not even connect with organisations that we should have done. And that made us feel like we could. It yeah. wasn't a small boxing club there. It was something that we could work with us. So it made us feel important. And I think having the backing of that award, going into different organisations, working with them and actually challenging some of the approaches does really help. And actually people will say... These aren't just boxing coaches. There's so much more that they can they can achieve. Mm. Now the ward's not gathering dust in the drawer, is it? I hope it's on pride of place somewhere. Yeah. If you walk into the you know boxing club, it's there. Yeah, we've got it all. <laughs> so, we, so we're so fortunate that um, we've we've won a couple of different awards. We won like the West Midlands um, Mental Health Award. We've won last year. We won the Shropshire Chamber Small Business mm. Award. Um, and we yeah, uh, we've got a we've, we've had to buy a cabinet because oh, of new so we've got two separate trophy cabinets now. I mean, one, one, for, one for the boxing awards and one for the for the for the for the charity awards. Uh, see, we, we're so lucky. I'll be honest with you. There's never it's never our intention to win any awards or anything. But it yeah. is so nice to be recognised for the work that's going on. If it can help us reach more people, brilliant. But it's and it's just a nice. Value 
validation it, it makes you sort of realize that you know what you're doing is the right thing it's it's not are we just doing this for ourselves have we have we disappeared down a rabbit hole it's validation of your work so yeah exactly exactly and i think if we can um if if we can just continue on the journey around you know we've got a our, our mission is to be able to help all young people to be able to thrive regardless of what they've been through in the past so, so just coming back because i probably should have asked this earlier so you were saying about initially when you when you started you were getting sort of not the wrong people but you were getting people who were already into sport into boxing and and, and you wanted so if if somebody now wanted to come to bright stars what what what's the sort of criteria i suppose is, is the wrong word but who is it that you're looking to help yeah so we've we've got a number of different programs one thing we've always maintained is on a monday wednesday and friday evening we've still got our regular boxing club yeah and then we've got like kind of if they're doing well in the boxing club we'll get them into their squad where they can compete all across kind of england we've competed in sweden the last few years as well um but if anyone on the on the street anyone can come along to the open sessions the reason why one of the main reasons we've kept them is because on some of our programs some of them may only be working with us for kind of 12 weeks and I don't want to be like that young person's really struggled with trust. They come up to us for 12 weeks. We've gained trust. We've gained a really good relationship. And then we're like, off you go then, bye. And yeah, it's yeah. like, we want to keep that that relationship with them. So anyone that comes to our program can have free membership to our evening sessions forever. So they can stay maintained with us. And we find that about 60% of people will take that on and continue with it, which is brilliant, especially in places like Shropshire when it can be so hard mm. to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if it's, if it's anyone can come to the open sessions, but we've got specific programs to support um and you know on our, on our website people can get in touch with with myself but we've got mental health support groups during the day we run as a school so for young people that are struggling in mainstream education they can come to us we'll work with them as a way to help them re-engage back into school meet a lot of needs and help them really take ownership of their life mm. uh the mental health support groups we combine boxing with uh, mentoring and in a group setting so people can really feel part of belonging um, we've got our kind of program of that unemployed we can help them gain qualifications as well um, so the kind of usp is boxing but it's all about using the boxing as a way to help them engage in other things yeah. in their life and that outreach is, is huge isn't it yeah exactly and when you when you walk into the club it does look like a boxing club and that's really important we maintain that mm -hmm. But we still got classrooms, calm rooms, mentoring rooms, everything like that, so people can get the right support for them. But still, we'll start every program with boxing because we found that if they start the day with boxing, the rest of the day becomes so much easier. Um, have you currently got any members that you think could go far, you know, in their boxing careers? Yeah, we've got we've got a few actually. So we we're so lucky that actually name so names so that we can keep an eye out for them. Actually, <laughs> no, that's unfair. We, we, so we've got um, that's not fair. Yeah. Not fair, not fair. Yeah. So we've got we've got some people that have actually come through some of the programs mm. um, and they've progressed into them. They've started coming to the open sessions, then to the squad, um, and they're competing at quite a high level. You know, we've got people that have won uh, gold medals in Sweden. We've got people that are um, competing in the championships, and then we've got kind of our squad coaches. You know, mainly kind of uh, Mitch Lou. Um, Cat, Peachy, they're all, they're all people that will be working with them so, so often to create that value, that environment and that really thriving place where they're not just looking at the box and they're looking at the mindset and everything else. I think that's why even for, we're gonna, I'm going to still call us a new club, are able to produce some, some really good boxers. Yeah. Anybody we can keep an eye out for the Commonwealth or, um, or the Olympics? Maybe not as soon as the Olympics. No, not as soon as the Olympics. We've got, <laughs> that um, might be a so, bit too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Too we've got, um, we, so, so we have got some, some good boxers coming through. I think that we've... Um, we're still trying to work on exactly how we can get the performance pathway just right. But yeah. I think being completely honest, 
if if not, none of the boxers that we work with ever have a boxing match, mm. I still don't mind. For us, it's not about no, losing champions. It's about people that can champions their, their lives yeah. outside of the ring. And that's that's really key element for us. Yeah. You obviously do a lot of public speaking. Sort of what are your key messages you like to get across to the audience? Um I guess with, with any time I talk, I just want to make sure that a lot of this work, a lot of young people that are struggling are always on people's agenda. That's that's really, really key. Um, and what I always like to say is that regardless of all the different techniques, if we can meet the needs earlier, that would be how we support them. So currently, you know, the government spends $16 billion on not meeting the needs soon enough. So that's when it gets to mental health crisis point. And often people referring to sports clubs and things when it's a crisis or as a nice to do. Yeah. I think that sport should be embedded into the system. So it's seen as a, almost a, a must do before it gets to that stage. Let's work with sports clubs that support them. Um, and there's, really- there's, there's a bunch of studies out there, aren't there, that say, that say participation in sport, whether as an individual or in a team, improves Mental health. There's there's so many studies that, that bear that out. So it makes no sense not to do that. Exactly. I do think in Shropshire we're starting to get it. We, to be fair, we're becoming real a real part of the system now. We're working really closely with the Shropshire Council um, and supporting that. And I guess in other areas, it's about them clubs having the knowledge to be able to set up the referral pathways and everything. Is there anything like I was when I started up a club? I wouldn't have a clue how to do any of that. So one of our goals is to actually support other clubs across the country to be able to do that and i think if we can empower other people to empower other people that's we're going to have the biggest difference and there's so many different barriers that need to be removed so many changes that need to happen nationally as well but we can start off by creating this system where it it does feel like it's all part all together cross section cross sector everyone's working together and i think you know for, for individuals as well it comes to thing that's driving them and them actually th- seeing this as a big benefit not as a as a nice to do as well and do you, do you have already other clubs around the country coming to you and, and looking at what you've done and, and learning from you is that already underway yeah nationally we're really really fortunate that um you know this week um yesterday i was meeting with the um northern ireland human rights team um, and there was a lot of different clubs on that conversation where we started to talk about how they can do things a little bit differently last year i was fortunate enough i went to i was asked to go to dubai to talk at the world expo wow. um and we talked about and it was i'll be honest with you, i thought i was going to be in the sports clubs and things like that i prepped a speech and it was actually i was in with all the ministers of different countries really well. i was like okay i didn't expect this but luckily it was really well received and they were i was really talking about what was happening that's how the northern ireland thing came about mm. and um i've been working really closely with organizations like unesco um like uefa um, a couple of weeks ago, we were speaking to the kind of former Yugoslavian region, so we can talk about how to invest in sport development rather than just performance sport. So, yeah, really keen. And even kind of, you know, if we look at the West Midlands, we're working with some real key clubs in Hereford, working with a club there who have a real desire and passion, but they don't know how it's all done. So we're kind of running a program with their coaches there with the goal of at the end of the year, they'll be able to take that on independently and be able to support that. So they can take on referrals, they can support people. And that's going to be kind of my role a lot going forward to be able to support these other people to make the changes. This is great because this is what, what James was saying to you before we, before we started broadcasting about why we set up this podcast, you know, to talk about the great things that are going on in Shropshire that people don't realise. You've got you who've set up this this great organisation basically on the back of your own experience and now you're off in Dubai talking to world, world ministers and, you know, for, for people not to realise that great things like this are going on in Shropshire. 
Yeah, still, still, when you say that, you know, it seems a bit crazy. I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just little Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Looking around this room, you can be described as little. Um, but I mean, yeah, does does do you sort of sometimes just pinch yourself and think, how, how the hell has this happened to me? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, I'm, we're so fortunate that it, it isn't just me. We've got a big team. There's 21 staff and 36 volunteers at Brightstar now, and it's all wow. about the right people that understand the right gaps. And I've got so many gaps in in my knowledge, and that's where mm. you know, cat, just different people from Brightstar. But that's part of the battle, isn't it? Knowing what you don't know. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a really key thing, isn't it? Because a lot of people that I work with is kind of like like to think that they know a lot about every single area and try and upskill themselves. <clears throat> it's about kind of skill stacking, isn't it? Understanding what the yeah, things yeah. you need to know are, understanding what the people to bring in are. Yeah, absolutely. You've obviously achieved so much, you know, in a short space of time. Where next for the academy? Yeah, so we the do- The world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually know you've already done that. Um... <laughs> so, so yeah, we are having a, um, a big research project being car carried out at university level so we can really show what we're having is a big impact. We want to be able to- Who are you working sure. with? Which... Uh, so we're working with Go Labs, Governor Outcub Labs. Okay. Um, so that they'll be able to kind of look look with us and uh, an organisation called Substance. Uh, they're doing a lot of research with us too. Um, and what we want to do is make sure across, in, in, I suppose, in the next two to three years, across the West Midlands, if there's a young person that's struggling, they can access the support at an early stage. That's that's really key. And then we want to be able to lobby and champion their voice to be able to help others make the changes. And I think throughout the West Midlands, we're going to work with some really key clubs in some really key areas and make sure they're upskilled to be able to able to do this work. And then it's kind of just making sure we're championing the voice, making sure everyone is able to kind of respond and meet the needs and make sure people know how and are confident to do so as well. And from a personal point of view, any, you know, any more acting on the horizon? <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to say never. but Creed, I still, Creed 4. <laughs> I, I still don't know how it all happened, really, so I'm not going to put myself in that in that situation where I can, but I'm sure if someone asked me to uh, be knocked out by Anthony Joshua, I'd take it all over <laughs> them, yeah. Mr. Spielberg, if you're listening, we, we, have, a, we have an actor who's, who's willing to work. You've obviously got a soft spot for Anthony Joshua, as you've said. Um, if you could choose one boxer, professional boxer throughout history um, that you could share a ring with, who would it be? That's a wide-ranging question. You keep saying. That's not question. written down here either. That's, a, no, that's I, coming I, out of left field. I know the I'll answer though. <laughs> I know the answer. It's quite easy for me. It's, um, it's Muhammad Ali. For me, he was the um, he was the all-time changed the game completely. He changed the sport. He he made it all about kind of becoming confidence and a mindset, not just about ability. And that's what it is. I think if you go ever go into anything in life not believing in yourself then you're not going to achieve it. You've got to be able to back yourself in everything really. And it's about putting yourself in them uncomfortable situations to be able to get the belief. And that's why our, our lines are believe, belong, become. And that's come from the, if we if we can believe in young people until they believe in themselves, if we can give them that sense of belonging, then they can become and achieve everything that they ever do. Not in, in more than that. And Muhammad Ali for me was the person that gave the belief side of things and the mindset of the boxing. So yeah, to share a ring with him, I would get battered and I would take that every day of the week. <laughs> yes. You happily be pummeled by Muhammad Ali. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Brilliant, thank you. That was awesome.